So this morning is our Advent Reflections, and I'll just be leading us in a few thoughts on Advent. And it's um, O Come Emmanuel, and we're so excited by that, but we, we know, don't we, as Christians, we know what is coming. A virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. A child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God and Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His royal power will continue to grow. His kingdom will always be at peace and he will reign over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So as um, Gary has read, that was a prophetic word. That wasn't now, it hadn't happened. There was a time of waiting, hundreds of years of waiting I wonder what they were waiting for, what their expectation was. And obviously, as we, those of us that know our Bible, their expectation wasn't quite met. It wasn't quite what they expected. And for us, we have our expectations. They're not tangible. In effect, we can only see in part. It can feel like a really dark time as we're waiting for things. Waiting for what? Waiting for how? And waiting for when? And darkness is not something new. As actually, we open our Bibles, it's the first thing we see. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's almost as if right from the very beginning, God's mission is to pierce the darkness and to flood it with his light. And as we go through the Bible, we read on in God's story, we have Israel's darkness, which is what Gary um, was just reading from. Israel's darkness, 400 years of darkness since the last of the Old Testament prophets. After exile, the Jews have returned to their land, but live under six different governments. We read in Luke 1, 52, that the mighty are on their thrones, and their power seems invisible. So not only darkness, but silence. Prophecy had been silent in Israel for many years. Has God forgotten them? I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Has God forgotten you? Has he left you? Has he abandoned you? Where is he? Where is he? But as we just looked in Genesis and creation, God doesn't leave his people in darkness. And we read in the New Testament, John 1, verses 1 to 8. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. And that man was John. So Ben is going to read from us from Luke, the foretelling of John the Baptist. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will, be, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. So, I wonder what you would feel if you're, there you are, praying, and then an angel was to appear to you while you're in prayer. I think I'd be... Personally, it's not happened to me. I think I'd be really fearful. But the angel's quite clear. Do not fear. fear. wonder what our response is when God speaks to us. Do not fear. And he doesn't believe. Oh, how can this be true? I'm old and my wife is well along in years. So we have unbelief. I wonder how many of us unbelieve when God first speaks to us, calls us, whispers things to us. Is that our first response? But we also hear that his prayer has been heard. And I'd like to say to you all this morning, those that are waiting, your prayers, they have been heard. And we also have the promise in verse 20... My words will become true at their appointed time. His promises for to you, they will be fulfilled. God's word does not go back to him empty. 
Zachariah's prayers, they would have been prayers of the nation, the prayers for Israel, but they would have been his personal prayers too. As we've heard, longing and longing and longing, thinking his time had gone. His prayers wouldn't be answered. Perhaps today you need to hear that your prayers, they have been answered. You may feel that you are in a dark place and that God is silent, but your prayers, they are heard. We also know, because we know the end of the story, that actually their personal pain, their personal sorrow, they are going to be used by God for part of his bigger picture. That God's time and for his purposes, there are sorrows too. They are not wasted. Now we hear that John is coming to prepare the way for Jesus. So now Trina is going to read to us the birth of Jesus being foretold. Be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Once again, we have that echo, don't we? She is afraid. Do not fear. I'd just like to say to you all today, do not fear. Again, Mary raises doubt, although this time it's not quite disbelief. It's just sort of a question. Oh, well, how is this going to happen? And obviously, Zachariah, I'm, excuse me, everyone, probably been doing the necessary and not had a baby, so thinking, well, you know, it's not, it has not happened. And then Mary's, well, it can't possibly happen because she's a virgin. <coughs> and yet again, we have this. And the promise that God's word does not fail. So as we look at these two accounts, we have those overriding things. Do not fear do not fear, and the promise of God's word does not fail. And then we have Mary. Mary gives her permission. May your word to me be fulfilled. So she's making herself available. I wonder how differently that we would view our own lives if we could see things from God's biggest perspective. Let's think about these two stories and what we could learn. Again, is there something that God has whispered to you? 
He wants to lift us up out of our smallness, the smallness of our lives, to lift him up to the bigger picture of his. Some of you might see an angel. Some of you might have heard an angel speak. God speaks to us when we're reading his word. Do we ignore it? Do we listen? Do we take hold of the things that God has asked us to do? What part are we called to play like Elizabeth and Mary in God's bigger picture. For we are all called to serve God's redemptive purposes. Elizabeth and Mary were ordinary people that by God's grace he chose to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't bypass our ordinary lives or our pain. Instead, if we let him, he uses them for his material in his big story. But these things, they weren't done alone. They weren't done in their own strength, as we heard about Mary's, overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit, an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We are not called to do these things on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in us and on us. And Tom Wright writes this in his book, Luke for Everyone. Mary is the supreme example of what always happens when God is at work by grace, through human beings. God's power from outside and the indwelling spirit within together result in the things being done which would have been thinkable, unthinkable in any other way. It isn't always easy to believe. Zachariah didn't believe. Mary questioned what was going to happen. So it's a step of faith, isn't it, when God whispers things to us. A step of faith and a step of trust. And we might be fearful Then we have in Psalm 56. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. Let us be people that praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? Now we're just going to watch a short video clip looking at the Nativity and Mary. Perhaps during this time as you listen, reflect on words that have been spoken to you. Perhaps like Zachariah, you have prayers of sorrow that have yet been unanswered. Remember that your prayers, they are heard. Remember what God has called you to by his spirit. He will enable you to do. Elizabeth. Why is it me, God?
When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to save and redeem those under the law, that we might be adopted as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, and we cry, Abba, Father. We're going to take communion in in the next few minutes. Uh, as has been shared already, it's God's timing that brings all of this about for us. It's God's timing in your life and in my life as well. How we walk with God today is in his timing. We all have things that God has spoken to us about. We all have things that, uh, that he's, he's led us into. And we'd like us to this morning just to take a few minutes as we take communion together to maybe reflect on those things that we are waiting for maybe on those things that that we heard an echo of a long time back when God whispered something to each one of us as you take communion this morning it'll be good to, to reflect on some of the things that we hold on to that we are seeking God for in the waiting God is at work in each one of us, in the patience that we need uh, to, to go through life. God is at work in us. It's his timing. He knows the exact time. We live in the present, but he knows exactly what the time is. So, when the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles then he said to them, with, fervent desire, I have, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruits of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and 
gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the, su- after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of the betrayer is with me, and also at the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. As we come forward to take the cup and to take the bread, let's reflect on who it is that has come for us and has saved us and is at work in each one of us.